0: Get ready for real comedy fun. Hot diggity! Oh, great. What else could go wrong today? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, we're going into the Wayback Machine again. We're going to go check out some things that used to exist or that used to be popular and no longer are, because it always amazes me how much life has changed in my lifetime. You don't think about it. You don't notice it as it's happening. But I'm telling you this for two reasons. Number one, to let you know what used to exist, what used to be out there that no longer is. But number two, so that you can pay attention for your life, too. Because there are going to be things now that we have that will fade away or disappear by the time you're my age. And so I want you to be watching for it. Pay attention. Because one day you'll scratch your head and go, whatever happened to Keys? And we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Because I have an idea on a few things that I think are just going to disappear probably within the next 10 years or so. But before we get to that, let me tell you what prompted this episode. It's weird the way my mind works, I know it is. But I was thinking about grandfather clocks. Yes, I know. Who thinks about grandfather clocks? Well, I do because they actually used to exist. And I was thinking about my grandmother's house. My dad's mom had a grandfather clock. It was at the top of the stairs on the second floor of her house. And I remember it as a huge thing. I mean, I was a little kid when I saw it. But I remember it as a huge thing. It was probably six feet tall, but it felt like it was eight feet tall. It had one of those pendulums on it that swings back and forth. It did the old tick-tock, tick-tock. You could hear it throughout the house. And I remember we only slept over at that grandmother's house a couple of times, but I remember sleeping over at that house, and I remember hearing that clock tick. And when you're not used to something like that, it keeps you awake, especially when you're a little kid in a strange house. We didn't have our night lights. We didn't have our usual comfort things. So you're sleeping in a strange bed under a strange blanket and this creepy tick tock going on throughout the night. It was a little distracting and it was a little disturbing for a little kid. But I remember that grandfather clock and I remember seeing other people in my neighborhood had grandfather clocks and I've gone to estate sales and I've been to auctions and houses and people had grandfather clocks all of the time. We didn't have one. We had a mantle clock, because we didn't really have room for a grandfather clock. But we had one of those fancy clocks in a wooden box that you put on top of the mantel above the fireplace. We had one of those, but we never had a grandfather clock. But grandfather clocks were a pretty standard thing. They were elegant looking. If you had one once you got used to the TikTok, it was rather comforting to have that sound. But take a look around. When's the last time you saw an actual grandfather clock in anybody's actual house, if you ever have. As I said, I used to see them all the time, but I can't remember, aside from an auction like 10 years ago, I can't remember the last time that I saw a grandfather clock. So thinking about grandfather clocks got me to thinking about other things that we don't have or that have faded away or that have disappeared. I've talked about this one before, tube TVs, how it would take a little while for the TV to warm up. But that's one of the things that you just don't think about. Because TV has changed so much. They don't have over-the-air broadcasts anymore. It's all digital. But when I was a kid, you used to have an antenna on the roof to pick up the signal that the TV station was putting out from whatever city it was in. But because it was a broadcast signal, it would be subject to interference. Electrical interference, for instance, would throw off your signal. You'd get static in the signal. So you'd be watching a show and all of a sudden the picture would start to get a little staticky, fuzzy. They used to have controls on your TV for the vertical hold, the up and down stuff, and the horizontal hold, when the TV would go crooked sideways. And I don't mean the TV itself would go crooked, but the picture. I know it sounds weird. It sounds weird to say it that way. But the TV would go crooked, and the picture would kind of lie on its side in the little box. So you had to adjust it with a horizontal hold. That's why they had those controls. If the broadcast signal was a little sketchy, you could adjust the picture. You don't have to adjust the color. You used to be able to do that. You could adjust the color. You could adjust the tint. I remember the tint control on the TV, you could actually turn people's faces green. My dad didn't like that much, but I enjoyed it. We would play with the tint when he wasn't home, and then forget to reset it, so dad would be very upset when he'd turn on the news and John Chancellor had a green face. But yeah, there was all kinds of controls on the TV that you used to adjust because the broadcast signal was never 100% accurate or clean. You'd get static, you'd get the vertical problems, you'd get the horizontal problems, and you'd get the color problems. You had a color TV, but that didn't mean the color was always accurate. Now I know on the new TVs they have the settings and you can adjust the brightness and the contrast. And I'm sure you can monkey with the color and the tint. I've never really done it on the new TVs because there's no need to. The way the signals are broadcast and received digitally through the cable, it's a totally different viewing experience. But when I was a kid, you had staticky TV, you had TV you had to adjust, and you had colors and tint you could play with. Here's another thing that was big in the 70s in the 80s, waterbeds. Now, I never had a waterbed. I thought the idea was really, really cool. I thought it would be a great thing to have a waterbed. I mean, kind of the motion of the bed moving as you lie there. You have one of those heated water beds where it gets warm and you climb into a warm bed at night. I thought that would be cool. I actually stayed at a friend's house while he was out of town. I was apartment-sitting for him. He had a waterbed, so I got to sleep in a waterbed once. It wasn't that cool. It was okay. But if you watch some of the old game shows, if you watch some of the things on Buzzer, for instance, or the Game Show Network, you look at some of those game shows from the 70s and the 80s, one of the big prizes they gave away was a waterbed. I think the company was called California Waterbeds. And having a waterbed was a symbol of success. Look, we've made it. We're cool. We've got a waterbed. But I don't even know if waterbeds still exist. I haven't heard of anybody having a waterbed in years. I'm sure part of that is it takes a lot of water to fill a waterbed. Imagine a king-size waterbed. How much water must that take? Plus, the apartment that you're in or the house that you're in, the floor has to be sturdy enough to hold up however much water fills a king-size or even a queen-size waterbed. Now, I don't even know why waterbeds just stopped being a thing. They were a huge thing for 15, 20 years, something like that. And then they're not. It's funny the way it works. Naturally, when I was a kid, I was also interested in toys. So I was always intrigued by the latest toy. I remember when yo-yos became the thing. We talk about fidget spinners these days. I never had a fidget spinner because I'm an old dude. What the hell am I going to do with a fidget spinner? But when I was a kid, yo-yos were the fidget spinner of my day. And they had all kinds of yo-yos. They had butterfly yo-yos. They had yo-yos with lights in them. They had yo-yos that made sound. You could get little booklets. Because remember, this is the days before the internet. So you had to get a little booklet. But you could get booklets that described how to do the tricks with yo-yos. Around the world, walk the dog, cat in the cradle. And I actually learned how to do a bunch of those tricks. That was the thing, man. It was the thing. All the cool kids had yo-yos for about a minute. Then they didn't. I kept mine, but then I wasn't a cool kid. I thought the yo-yos were cool. I actually had a yo-yo collection for a while. But yo-yos were a big fad for a minute. And then they just stopped, just like fidget spinners. But the other thing that was more prevalent, aside from the yo-yos, were the little toys that you would get in cereal boxes. Oh yeah, those cereal manufacturers knew how to hook the kids in. You could get a tiny action figure, you could get a ring, you could get a whatever buried in the cereal. You would go buy a box of Cap'n Crunch or Super Sugar Smacks. And somewhere in the bottom of that box, there'd be a superhero, wrapped in plastic. There'd be a little comic book, like a mini comic book. There'd be a ring or a bracelet. There were any number of possibilities of the little toys that you could get in a box of cereal. And of course, when you got the box of cereal, the first thing you wanted to do when you got home was open the box and root around for the toy. Oh no, that wasn't allowed. Not in my house. My mother's rules were always... You can't go looking for the toy. If it comes out when you pour your cereal, you can have the toy. But you can't just go looking for it. But mom, no. When you have breakfast tomorrow, you can see. And of course, they always had the toy at the bottom of the box. So you had to go through the whole box of cereal before you could get your toy out. But boy, those cereal box toys, they were cool, man. Now I say that, but as I sit here, I have no recollection of a single toy that I got out of a box of cereal. I just remember them being there and warning them. The other thing that they did on boxes of cereal for a short period of time, this is back in the late 60s, early 70s, they would include records on the box of cereal. Now, I know you're going to ask, how did they do that? What do they, staple it, tape it, glue it? You have to remember back then, the only way you could play music was with a record player. I should correct that. You could play it on a reel-to-reel tape recorder. You could play it on 8-track. You could play it on cassette. But the primary way to play music was with a record player. And that was a vinyl record with the grooves in it. You'd put the arm of the record player on the record. The needle would pick up the sound in the grooves. And that's how the record played music. I mean, I'm not trying to break down the whole way a stereo system worked, but you get it. Because of the way the needles worked, they could print up records on very, very thin vinyl. And then they could attach that vinyl to a cereal box. And cereal boxes were about the right size to fit a 45 record. Now, I don't think that it was an actual vinyl record. I think it was more like a piece of cardboard that they coated with plastic and cut grooves into that plastic so that it would replicate the sounds of a vinyl record, because it had to be sturdy enough to ship. But I remember getting, and I think it was the Archies, their song Sugar Sugar. Sugar Sugar, do dee honey, honey. Yeah, that one. I think the first copy of that that I ever had was off of a cereal box. I'm trying to remember. I don't even remember what cereal it was, but I remember getting a couple of records off of the cereal boxes. I seem to remember the Jackson 5 also putting a record on a cereal box, but for the life of me, I can't remember which one it was. But yeah, it was a way for people, artists, companies to connect the music with a cereal that the kids would eat and love and also get the record. That's another thing that just doesn't happen anymore because of the way music is consumed and the way music is produced. You don't put it out on records. I mean, you do, but not like you used to. They're not putting records on cereal boxes anymore, and they haven't done that for like 40 years. But that was a thing that just happened. You would also occasionally get those records inside magazines. I remember getting, I think it was a record related to the Moonwalk in National Geographic sometime in the 70s, I want to say. My mom had a subscription to National Geographic for decades, and I think it was something like the sounds of the Apollo space program commemorating the moon landing. You know, the moon landing was in 69. I'm assuming in 1979 there was a 10-year commemoration and we got a record commemorating those historic moments. But I remember that record, and it was inside the National Geographic magazine. Do I still have any of those? No. Those got lost to the vagaries of time many, many years ago. But I remember them being a thing. And then they just weren't. You know, between the toys in the cereal boxes and the records in the cereal boxes, that's just an example of the way things changed, the way toys were presented and consumed. I remember toys, and I've talked about toys many times in the podcast, but I remember toys being substantial. I remember having Tonka trucks. And the Tonka trucks that I had were made of steel. They were metal trucks. I had a fire truck. I had a dump truck. I had a cement mixer. We played with them outside in the sandbox. I remember them being hefty and substantial. And I'm sure the reason that we don't have those metal Tonka trucks anymore is because they were hefty and substantial. We knew enough not to swing a heavy and substantial dump truck at our friend's head. We just didn't do stuff like that. Oh, I'm sure some people did. Not in my neighborhood, but I'm sure it was done. But that's why you don't have hefty and substantial toys anymore. Everything's made out of plastic because you don't want to give your best friend a concussion when you throw your dump truck at him. But that's what we used to do. I mean, not give each other concussions, but we used to throw toys and slam them around and play with them. That's what you did. You played with toys. And if somebody got hit accidentally by a metal truck, oh, you know, rub some dirt in it, walk it off. Yeah, you can still find those metal trucks at garage sales old estate sales, old auctions, but it's got to be 30 or 40 years since they made a good hefty Tonka truck. But those are trucks that lasted. Those are toys that lasted. And we don't have stuff like that anymore. You know, the same thing carries over to things like appliances. I've talked about this before, but it still amazes me how many years my dad would get out of a vacuum cleaner. I mean, he would buy a vacuum cleaner at an auction for a buck maybe two bucks, and get four or five years out of that thing. Because appliances were built to last back then. All you had to do was replace a belt, make sure it had fresh vacuum cleaner bags. That's all you needed to keep a vacuum cleaner going. And that's why he always saved those vacuum cleaners. Because you could scavenge parts off of the old ones to keep the newer ones running. I say newer ones because we didn't have new vacuum cleaners, not in my house. We had gently used vacuum cleaners. My dad in his life, I don't think ever bought a brand new vacuum cleaner at any time. Let me take that back. He may have bought a new vacuum cleaner for his shop when he needed a wet-dry vac downstairs. But that's not the same kind of vacuum cleaner. The one we used on the rugs and the floors upstairs? For my entire life, always a used vacuum cleaner. Same with refrigerators. I don't think we ever replaced a refrigerator in my parents' house in my entire life. I think their refrigerator lasted something like 35 years before they had to get a new one. And that was long after I moved out. Appliances were built to last. Nowadays, with appliances, built-in touchscreens, built-in monitors to let you know if the ice box is empty, I think these things are built to break down in five years or less. That's how they also get to sell you the warranty package. Well, here's your $1,000 refrigerator. For an extra $300, bucks, we will give you a three-year warranty. Three-year warranty? That's hardly enough time to break it in. Three-year warranty. Come on. Same with washers and dryers washers and dryers lasted forever my dad again going to the auctions he'd pick up a dryer for five bucks we'd use that thing for 10 years hey when you don't have a lot of money that's what you do you find the deals you make it work and i do remember pulling a dryer out of the van he had a volkswagen van he'd load that thing up oh yeah i got a good dryer for five bucks ours is starting to take a little too long to dry so let's just swap them out and so we did And this is back in the day when you could take your old dryer that was not working anymore and just leave it by the road. The garbage men, I'm sorry, the waste management engineers, would come by and just pick it up and take it to the dump. Yes, that's the way we used to dispose of things. You couldn't do it on any garbage day. You had to do it on the special pickup day. You'd have special pickup day where you could put all your heavy garbage out there and they'd just come and pick it up and take it away. It's just the way it worked. That's another thing you don't see anymore. You have something heavy you need to dispose of? Oh, good luck to you. Plus, with the recycling rules in various towns and various states, oh, you got to take the cardboard to the recycling center on a particular day between the hours of 12 and 2. When I was a kid, everything went into the garbage can. And they took it and dumped it. That was it. By the way, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I know that recycling is important. But the way that it's handled these days, it's kind of a joke. But we're not going to get into that today. We'll save that for another time. It's just different. It's just different these days. So that's just a few things that we don't have or that are missing or that have disappeared over the years. Believe me, I have plenty more. But I did promise you my thoughts on some things that are likely to disappear soon, like 10 years or less. I know I've talked about this concept in the past, but I have some other ideas that have popped into my head thanks to this episode. I mentioned keys at the outset. And what got me to think about that is the key fob that we all seem to have these days to start our car. How many cars are push button these days? Up until 2020, every car that I had had a key that fit into the ignition and no push button start. Some of my early cars, we had one key for the ignition, one key for the glove box, and one key for the trunk. They ultimately saw the wisdom of making one key fit all of those locks. But one of my early cars actually had three keys. Nowadays, you don't need a key at all to start a lot of new cars. I haven't been in all of the new cars, but I know in a lot of new cars, all you have is a fob and then you push a button and start the car. As long as the fob is in your pocket, the car will start. And I know with my new car, not only do they have the push button key start, but they also have an app on your phone. As long as you're signed into the app and as long as your phone is linked to your car, you can remote start your car just by using the app. I don't do that because I'm not that lazy. But yeah, that's a thing you can do. Now think about that with cars. I know that they are introducing smart locks to houses. I know a lot of houses actually have them. You don't even need a key to get into your house in certain cases. If you've got your house wired, if it's all electronic and you have the appropriate apps on your phone, you can lock and unlock your house from an app. Same with your office. Same with a store if you own a store. So you can be connected to your car. You can be connected to your house all through an app on your phone and never have to have a key in your pocket again. And I'm telling you, that's the way it's going to go. I remember loving to carry car keys around. I remember loving to have my house keys around. I still do. I still like the security of having something substantive, something that I can put in the lock and make sure that I'm unlocking the car or unlocking the house. I know that I'm doing it. I know that it's happening. I'm twisting the knob, twisting the lock. It's secure. And there's also something comforting about carrying around a ring of keys. Okay, I know I've got my keys right here in my pants pocket. Everything's good. Oh, I didn't bring my keys. Hang on, I gotta go get them. Yeah, you can't forget your phone, I suppose. But, you know, what if you run out of juice on your phone? I suppose you can log into somebody else's phone and type in the code for your car, type in the code for your house. But if I've got my keys on a key ring in my pocket... That's all I have to remember. But I'm telling you, we're going to lose keys. Keys are going to be gone 10 years. It's going to be very old school to have a ring of keys anymore. Something else we're going to lose signatures. We've lost signatures a lot as it is, but thanks to COVID and thanks to the ability to do electronic signatures, people aren't going to have to use pen and ink anymore to sign a document. You're not going to need a piece of paper, you're not going to need a pen. Think about this. How many times have you signed for a package or signed off on terms of service or signed your income tax return by clicking a little box and representing your electronic signature as your actual signature? And me doing the work that I did during COVID as a lawyer, we have to sign a lot of things. And because of the way COVID affected the courts and affected how people dealt with each other. A lot of things happen quickly or actual wet signatures. That's the actual signature you put on a piece of paper with a pen. They call that the wet signature. Actual wet signatures are no longer necessary in most cases. So mark my words, the act of signing your name, the act of putting pen to paper is something that we are not going to have anymore. We're not going to have to do it. We're not going to need it. People aren't going to be doing it anymore. And I'm going to say 10 years. No more signing things. You're just going to click a box. It's kind of sad, actually, because I've developed a really cool signature. I like the way it looks as I scroll it out on a line. I actually tried to duplicate it so that when I clicked the box, it would put a representation of my signature on the line in the electronic documents I was signing. I was able to successfully do it, but I'm not sure if it's going to matter to people in the future the way it mattered to me to be able to do that. Ah, just click the box. We're fine. The last thing I'm going to mention today, something that we're going to lose and I think it's tragic that we do, It's knowing our neighbors. When I was a kid, I knew my neighbors next door. I knew my neighbors across the street. I knew my neighbors up the street. The neighbors across the street would have me watch their pets while they were away on vacation, and my parents would have their kids watch our pets. If we needed a cup of sugar, literally borrowed a cup of sugar from the neighbors next door. If we needed a ride somewhere, we could go to the neighbors and say, oh, you know, my car broke down. Can you give me a lift to the gas station at the end of the street? And they would do it. If you had extra tomatoes in your garden, you'd drop them off at the neighbors. We have some extra. Please help yourself. If you didn't see the lights on across the street, you'd go and check the neighbors, make sure everything was okay. The neighbors would keep an eye on all the kids just to make sure that everybody was all right. All the kids are playing in Ray's yard. Okay, we got an eye on them. Okay, Vinny's got people over in the pool. Good. Everybody knows where everybody is. The neighbors paid attention to each other. They paid attention to their kids. They were aware of what was going on in their community just because that's the way it was. That's the way we grew up. You kept an eye on your kids, but you kept an eye on each other. Same when my kids were little. I lived in a neighborhood. I knew where all the neighbors were. I knew who had kids. I knew who had pets. We played basketball together. We had block parties together. We just knew each other and kept track of each other. But in these days now, with everything being electronic and everything being online, and especially after COVID, we've got more insulated. We stay in our own little worlds. We have our friends online, and we have our contacts online, and maybe we game online, and maybe we have discussion groups online. But we don't know our neighbors. We don't have somebody to go to if we need a ride. There's nobody to give the extra tomatoes to. They're growing in the garden. When's the last time anybody had a block party? In my old neighborhood, we had a block party every summer. We'd get a permit, block off the street... Families from 10 houses would come together, put basketball courts up in the street, have all the barbecue grills out there. The kids would play together, the adults would play together, and everybody would just hang out. But there's a lot less of that now than there ever used to be. It's partly COVID, but it's partly our electronic world. We're not out there anymore interacting with each other. We're online. We're watching videos. We're on Facebook. We're on TikTok. Basically, the virtual world is disconnecting us from the real world. I can understand why and there is some benefit to that. I get that. But it's also kind of sad. It's kind of sad that we don't know each other the way we used to. And we don't hang out with each other the way we used to. Now, as an old man, I'm becoming much more of a hermit. So I don't miss it as much now as I would have if my kids were still small and I was 20 years younger. Because I'm glad that I had it when I had it. And I just feel bad for the folks coming up after me. I feel bad for my kids not having the same kind of interaction and the same kind of environment that I was able to bring them up in. It's kind of sad. And that's one thing that I hope we don't lose. That sense of community, that knowing of our neighbors, and building an extended family through the people that we know. I hope we don't lose that, but I do have a bad feeling about it. So there's some food for thought this week, some things that we don't have that we used to have, and some things that I hope we don't lose, but I expect we're going to. I hope that gives you something to think about this week. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for being a part of things. As always, I appreciate your support, and I can't thank you enough for listening. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.